0: coming up next on the wet fly swing podcast
1: you know i i'm not taking pictures for that magazine i was taking pictures for but we became super close friends like that was like a bond and so we have done like before we end up buying a lodge together we had done seven fly-in trips all around quebec and canada every year or two we would go fly somewhere together and we do these float plane trips
0: that was Rob Janito describing the uh, behind the scenes of purchasing a fishing lodge. Photography, camisa, and podcasting today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. One great way to support this podcast is to uh, share an episode. If you've been enjoying this podcast uh, recently or over the years, you can click down in your app. If you haven't done it before, uh, there's a share button in pretty much every app. So on your phone there, um, click share, find an episode and sh- send a text out an email and let somebody know that's the way we're growing this thing and find a new um, new people who need the love and knowledge. Today's episode is sponsored by Jackson Hole Fly Company, a new kind of online fly shop they design and manufacture their own high-quality rods, reels, gear, and over a thousand fly patterns. Right now, you can get 25% off your first order. Just head over to jhflyco.com swing to get started today. That's jhflyco.com swing. Rob Janino from uh, the Fly Fishing Journeys podcast is here to talk about his podcasting journey and travel around fly fishing. We discover how uh, his podcast first came to be, what it's like to travel in the fly fishing show circuit. He's been doing that for a number of years now with the Furemsky crew, and uh, and I finally met him in person, so this is kind of coming out of that uh, in-person connection we made this year, so I'm excited to share this one with you. You know, I love uh, every time I get a chance to dig into it with the podcaster, we're going to talk a little uh, a little bit of nerdy podcasting, a lot of fishing, and, uh, and Rob's journey. So without further ado, here he is. Here's Rob from flyfishingjourneys.com.
1: How's it going, Rob? Hey, Dave. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks
0: for putting the time together here. We, uh, we chatted a while back now. It was, um, one of the fly fishing shows, I guess it was Denver. We, we talked and you had a cool booth set up and we were like, okay, we, we want to do this. And it's taken us, I don't know how long, like six months, right? Something like that.
1: Yeah. Just, yeah. Six months. And, uh, I definitely appreciate you coming by the booth and, and just inviting me on the podcast. I love the wet fly swing. You do an amazing job, man. You are absolutely crushing it. So nice. I just really appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, chat with you about some fly fishing. Yeah. No, I appreciate
0: that. I think that uh, it goes both ways. I'm always like on the lookout trying to, you know, kind of get the word out to our folks for new podcasts they haven't heard about. And you've obviously, you're not new. You've been out there a while. You've
1: been doing this, um, you know, like how, when when did you start the podcast? It's been about four years now. I was, uh, I did the fly fishing show circuit two years in a row, uh, two complete circuits. So seven shows around the country for two straight years and was set up for another seven or six as they do now and then obviously uh we had this big pandemic so nothing happened last year but i ended up doing four this year and uh, we'll be doing probably all six again next year so wow we're kind of four years into
0: this and the shows are when you get into these shows because well, i love the shows too what's the bit the thing you really love about doing those
1: Just, uh, you know, for the fly fishing show, you know, I love actually doing the podcast there and, you know, meeting all the celebrities and having a chance to interview them right at the show. Um, It's kind of like a family. It's like a three month tour. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll go for a weekend, come home and then maybe go for two weeks and come home. So, you know, at the end of the show season, we kind of say like it's like a family. It's like the fly fishing show family. No kidding. Because, you know, we all leave and then we all meet up again in the next spot and, uh, you know, we go out to dinner afterwards and, you know, we talk fishing all day and, you know, relax and enjoy each other's company at night. And yeah, and, uh, it's kind of hard to beat. You know, it's it's really like a, a great lifestyle. It's like a three month. It's a huge commitment, um, massive commitment, which is why I just did the four this year. But um, really want to you know, jump back in there for the full show season next year, but I I just love it. I just
0: love it. What is it when you do those shows, you know, you go and this is like the, the the fly fishing shows, which are all around the country, you do them. And what do you, I mean, obviously just being there connecting with people is cool, but are there things you see like the return for your, the actual podcast when you get in there? Are you trying to kind of track that to see how many people or new people are coming to it?
1: Yeah. You know, we had mentioned that and uh, I'm not crazy anal, you know anal retentive yeah. about uh, or yeah. super analytical about you know checking every single person that That's comes good. through but you know what i do like is when people come by the booth and you know i was in the elevator one time and i was talking to tim camisa's a great friend of mine oh, and, yeah. and we were just rapping and there was someone in the elevator with us and the guy goes wait a minute are you rob janino i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> he's like from the fly fishing journeys podcast i'm like yeah 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 he's like wow man i really enjoy your show and You know, so that type of stuff, when somebody comes by the booth and, you know, they say, you know, you had mentioned some people go back and listen right from the beginning. And, yeah, you know, it's what I did. I went back and I listened to the whole catalog and, you know, they say that at the booth or that's really, you know, exciting for me. Or if if I have a a friend on, like my friend Maddie from Iceland Fishing Guide in Iceland and, you Mm. know, he was on the podcast and. You know, he had mentioned that two or three people heard him or however many people heard him, uh, you know, on the podcast and uh, said they wanted to come and, you know, fishing with him in Iceland. So those are the types of things I, I like to track more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, and that is the best. That's that's it. You're hear, hearing from people directly, listeners
0: of the show. That's that's awesome. So, yeah, so, I, you know, there's a bunch of different ways. I'm always thinking I love just the podcasting here about, you know, your journey, right, your, your journey on the, on the podcasting, yeah. right? It's pretty amazing because um, – it's a lot of work, you know, whether you do, uh, one podcast a month or whatever, you know, it's still yeah. a ton of work. And, and, uh, and so you're doing, it and you've been doing it for four years. What do you find, you know, do you find that it seems like a lot of work or just everything come pretty smoothly to you?
1: Well, no, it's, it's a massive amount of work. I mean, yeah. I put in a, an enormous amount of time in the post to edit, you know, um, even trying to like eliminate ums and stuff i mean people i get super analytical i'll listen to some podcasts and you know it's great and that's the style and it's just a couple guys sitting back relaxing with some beers and yeah just you know something will be happening in the background or somebody will sneeze and and you know all that's fine and some people just enjoy that supernatural unedited podcast and i can appreciate that When I – at the shows, you know, sometimes there will be a bit of background noise or somebody, you know, will drop something in the back. I'll try to eliminate as much of that as possible um, because I do try to like a little cleaner uh, edit, if you will. Yeah. More of an interview style. Um, I kind of take in some of my cues from uh, April Vokey. I mean I really enjoy her podcast. Uh, I think she does a phenomenal job with interviewing somebody. They really dive into the history or the – you know, that – that background story, if you will, of the person. And like an hour later it's over and it's just, it's just really nice. So I kind of combine it. I'll do a little bit of that uh, to get it going with a, a guest. And then I'll try to get into some how to and, you know, where to or technical stuff. I, I'm not a super technical podcast, but if I have like a Devin Olson on, for, for instance, we'll make sure we try to mm-hmm. uncover some nuggets that people can actually learn from, but, I think April does a phenomenal job of just giving the, the backstory, the biography of, of a guest. And I, I enjoy that part. Yeah. Yeah, no,
0: I hear you. I think that that is great. And every show, like you said, every show is a little bit different. And, you know, I will say um, for the editing and, and we've changed, you know, and obviously as you go, you update things, but um, we start out doing almost no editing. And as you go, you do a little more just to clean up. Like you're saying, we had, I do this other podcast um, outdoors online and we had yep. uh, Eric Newsom on. And that okay. was the one point he said, he he actually invented podcast, you know, like for NPR and stuff, right? He's the right. guy that kind of back in the day. And he said that, he said, your po- I asked him the question, like, what is the number one thing people can do to make a better podcast? And they said, you know, number one, every second, every minute you put into editing makes your show
1: that much better, right? Right. I would be embarrassed to tell you how many hours. I have. Yeah, well, you're I in put into editing. I don't want to tell people because it's <laughs> crazy. The you know how many hours I edit. I mean, if I start editing a podcast at the beginning of a day and I'm done by the end of the day with all the graphics and stuff, I feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah, yeah, it's it. like an for me, it's an all day process. Yeah, that's good. I don't know if you found that with like all because I know you do like a zillion. Like post production, you have like your little clippets where you can see like the waveform bouncing in the social media. I mean, I think that is super pro, man. That is so cool. I know that that is the one
0: thing that is the you know, and it does take time, but I'm the same. I mean, Yeah. I mean, I could see that. You could take easily, you do an hour long episode. It could take you, you know, four hours, right. Depending on what you do. Plus you add a blog post. You got to write that. You got to do research. Plus you do, you know, all the other stuff you're talking about. You add some audiograms. It's all, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, and and that's part of the thing where for me, I've struggled with that a little bit because I want to do everything at the top level. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: And like you said, April, that's what's cool about April. She's been doing this a long time. And I told her when, when I chatted with her, I was like, Hey, you know, you inspired me to start this. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what the cool thing is. I've talked to other people who have listened to the show and I've helped a few people get into podcasts and there's a few new fly fishing podcasts out there because of that. Yeah. And so it's pretty cool, right? I've always feel like the, uh, what's the rising uh, tide raises all ships sort of thing. It's like, we're all in this together, man. I mean, that's why I love doing these episodes with you right now because, you know, I'm sharing your show and I think that if you have a better show, if you know what I mean, it's going to help everybody. So I appreciate uh, that, Dave. I really do. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, no, I think the connection, you know, obviously in person was awesome, but I want to, you know, for you, I want to go back because I always like to do this just to hear your story on fly fishing. So, so let's take us back real quick. And I know you're in the Northeast now, but talk about how you first got into fly fishing.
1: Yeah, okay, so yeah, I mean, me and my brother, uh, Craig, we just, we grew up spin fishing, you know, we fished the Ipswich River here, actually the same river that Jeff Courier cut his teeth on, uh, so uh, I was so cool to find out during our, our episode that we actually have the same lineage oh, wow. as far as where we started fishing, uh, but uh, just like a little local... What st- was the name of that river, Rob? Sorry, what was the name yeah. of that one? it's called the Ipswich River. How do you spell that? It's Ipswich, I P I S W I C H Ipswich. Oh, wow. Ipswich. Okay. Wow. Yep. Okay. It's a local town here in the, in the Northeast of Massachusetts. And, um, uh, yeah, just a little trout river, uh, comes out of, you know, the, the Atlantic and then it turns brackish and then it goes into fresh and the local, uh, mass gov stocks it with trout. So, um, but we just fished it, you know, by some waterfalls close to our house or, you know, we used to, pop over a fence at this chemical plant and catch like these monster overgrown bass. And, you know, and then they'd come running out after us. We'd jump back over the fence, you know, just a couple of kids on their bikes. You know what I mean? Just like fishing. You know, that was our thing. That was our thing that me and my, my brother did together. We went fishing. And so we kind of did that through college. But then all of a sudden I saw that there was a fly fishing show coming to town. And so I went to the fly fishing show and there was a trout unlimited booth there. And I said, you know, I've always been interested in fly fishing because, you know, me, I would just watch those shows on Saturdays. You know, you had the Walker's Cake Chronicles or you'll have, uh, you know, was Jose Wahebe, the, the uh, Spanish fly. He was a huge influence. Oh, yeah. For me. So those are the two big Saturday shows that kind of got me interested in fly fishing was the Walker's Cake Chronicles with Flip Pallet, or um, the Spanish fly with Jose Wahebe. And, you know, I heard he was gonna be at the show and I wanted to go meet Jose Waheve. And uh, there was a Trout Unlimited booth there. And I said, hey, you know, I've really been interested in, in fly fishing and I wanna know more about it. I said, hey, we're having a, like a Fly Fishing 101. They were having a meeting and they met up at a local pond and they would teach you how to cast and they would teach you how to tie flies. And then you know, I'd go to the monthly meeting and there, w- there was a mentor there, it was an older gentleman. He kind of took me under his wing and then just slowly, I started gravitating towards fly fishing. And uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I st- I had done some um, some writing. And so I started doing some writing and some photography. And, um, you know, that was back in 1999. So oh, wow. 23 years ago. Um, and that's kind of how I cut my teeth. I-, I went out to Western Mass. They had this big giant trout unlimited kind of weekend, like a annual get together where they're going to have their annual meeting of all the different chapters. And then we're going to fish. Um, it was on the Westfield river at a place called Indian hollow. And I brought my camper there with my wife and my young boy, uh, Tyler, he was probably three or four at the time. And, uh, we pulled up and it was late. It was like 10 o'clock and everyone had, everyone had been sleeping. So, I waited. I didn't want to set up my camper. Uh, so the next morning when it, the light was on, I started walking around the campsite, this beautiful Indian hall. It was like a, a big, giant, grassy knoll. And I found this one little cul-de-sac, and there was a couple of tent sites set up. And there was this space where I thought I could put my little pop-up camper. Yeah. And uh, I said, hey, do you mind if I put my pop-up camper here? And the, the guy said, hey, no, no problem at all. Um, and they finished doing what they're doing. They got their their fishing gear, and they went fishing. I said, wow, that looks so fun. I wish I was with them right now. And they left the coffee. He said, hey, by the way, there's some coffee on the fire. Help yourself. I was like, huh. well, that was super nice. Uh-huh. And, you know, that guy ended up being one of my best friends forever. Oh, wow. From that meeting. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. So we end up uh, fishing the rest of our life together to this day.
0: Wow. And that's and that wasn't Tim Kabisa though.
1: No, 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 <laughs> uh, that wasn't Tim. This was back in this was back oh, in ninety right. nine two thousand. I met Tim about four years ago. Yeah, um, you know Chuck frimsky the director of the original director of the Fly Fishing yep. Show, the director of the symposium, put us together. You know Chuck invited me to come down to the symposium, the Fly Tires, uh, the the International Fly Tire Symposium that happens the weekend before. Um, Thanksgiving every year, he asked me to come down, and he ended up putting us in a room together. So Chuck introduced Tim and I. Oh wow! And we ended up rooming together a few years back, and uh, we became really close friends, like a brother.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I love these stories because for me, you know, obviously I've interviewed a lot of these people, and Chuck. For I've had you know Chuck and Ben Frimsky on, and, yeah. and Chuck told the story, which really goes back to almost the TU. Right, he started yeah. the first one. It goes way back then, where. He took over, I think, the spot. I can't remember exactly right, but there was the old show, his first little show in the back. Yeah. yeah. The
1: Seven Springs.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know, you know the story. So, uh, and then you mentioned the Walker's K Chronicle, which has come up so much. I just interviewed um, uh, Andy Mill recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's coming up and he told his story and he talked about the Walker's K. He's like, man, the Walker's K, man, that was what got me into fishing, right? Yeah palette, yeah, that was amazing. Just the the whole energy of that show was just in just invigorating. Yeah, so so no, this is great. I think that um in you know now you're you're still you're in uh, Boston, right? Yeah, I'm in Boston. Yeah, exactly. So you're in a really cool area. I mean, definitely. There's all sorts of stuff, right? I mean, what are you talking about? You could go like the, you yeah. got the, within I don't know how many hours, but you've got, um, you know, striper and then you've got uh, all the, the warm water stuff and you've got all of the, the, even right, you go up north and you got some good trout fishing. What's it look like to you when you think about your fishing? When you, you look ahead, okay, I've got another year ahead or say you're even planning mm-hmm. out further, you know, what are you thinking about for your next trip?
1: Well, yeah, for my next trip, like I just got back from Iceland uh, fishing with Maddie of Iceland Fishing Guide, and we were doing like a kind of a familiarization trip uh, about a five river program that he has up in northern Iceland. And it was just absolutely amazing. Um, Just the char, and we were doing sea run browns and just a good time. It was just like a couple guys going fishing. And we had him and his guys, and we weren't guiding. It was just we all just got together and went fishing for like six days and it was just so relaxing and so enjoyable. And then I'm, for me, I'm planning my next trip is with Tim Camisa. we're going back to Iceland to fish with the fish partner guys. We're bringing a group of six, uh, as like a little hosted trip. Yeah. And we're doing that at the end of July. Um, so for me, for, I love the international, uh, flavor of, of fishing. Uh, you know, I love to just travel. My dad's a travel agent. Hmm. Wow. Uh, I've been a, been a travel agent my whole life and uh, he kind of got me hooked on like travel and so we've always kind of gone places I just I just love experiences I think that's more important than stuff I, you know you hear about different things and you can spend money on stuff or you can spend money on experiences and I like to spend money on experiences so um, but I mean that's the international stuff I mean locally here in the greater Boston area like I cut my teeth in the Rangeley Lakes. You know, so the McGalloway, the Kutsuptik, uh, the Rapid River. I used to fish with Aldro French of the Rapid River. There's a famous book called We Took to the Woods, written by Louise Dickinson Rich. And uh, that's all about uh, the Forest Lodge and the Winter House up on the Rapid River. Oh, wow. Before there were roads into the Rapid River. Um, it's the, you know, the same exact place that— um, you know, the gray ghost was created by Carrie Stevens. Yep. It's like they, Carrie Stevens and and Louise Dickinson Riches. They were like peers. They at the same time period in the in the you know turn of the century time period, and um, that's where the gray ghost was actually f- uh, formulated by Carrie. Used to you know fish it for the you know the, the landlocked salmon. Oh, yeah, chart right up there. So up in the middle dam and lower dam. So. You know, I love that stuff, um, and that was where I kind of cut my teeth. And then I started fishing up on the West Branch of the Penobscot in Maine quite a bit. Uh, that was that was awesome up at Big Eddy Campground, and uh, met some great friends to fish up there. Uh, Kendall Sperry uh, was a great friend. We fish the West Branch of the Penobscot to this day. He actually used to be, ah, actually still is a net maker. He makes nets. He was he hand makes nets. He was the net maker for LL Bean for almost 10 years, so any net you bought out of the LL Bean catalog was made by his hands. So um, he's retired from that, he's a pastor now, but he still does a very fine selection of nets that he, he does like on, on a one-off basis. So so there's that, there's New Hampshire, uh, there's Western Masses, the Deerfield River. I fish quite a bit, um, but I can, I can go chase stripers up around Plum Island. And uh, the Cape, you know, Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard mm-hmm. uh, would be where I would run for some striper fishing. But for me, I, I do love to travel. So,
0: yeah, that's it. That's so cool. Your dad was a travel agent because that's just that's it. I mean, travel for a lot of people is something they want to do, but maybe they don't, you know what I mean, have the uh, feel like they have the time, the money. But you've actually made that a priority and you've said, you know what, I don't need stuff. I want to actually get experiences. So, yeah. And yeah, it's really a good reminder for all of us, right? That maybe, maybe you don't need a brand new car and instead you could travel around the world. That might be a cool way to do it.
1: Well, that's kind of how I kind of got to this spot. Um, after, you know, John and I met on the, in Indian hollow back in, in 1999, 2000 timeframe, um, I got an opportunity to go take some pictures on a trip. Uh, I was invited to go take – was. A, I'm a photographer, so I oh, got yeah. invited as a photographer to go take some pictures on this trip. And so we were at a show, and we met this one gentleman by the name of Francois Boulay, uh, and he was a guide at this lodge up in Canada, up on the north shore of the St. Lawrence in Quebec. Yep. Kind of middle Quebec. I don't want to say northern Quebec because, like, northern Quebec, you're thinking, like, you know, on Gava Bay and that type of thing or Kuujjuaq, But it's kind of middle – uh, Quebec, like you're kind of heading towards Labrador. And he was uh, a guide there and he showed us his program. So we were going to go up and write, you know, my friend was going to write an article and I was going to do the photos. And I ended up bringing John, the gentleman I, I met at the Indian hollow. We became good friends and, and, uh, he showed us the most incredible time. It was kind of the first time I ever did this kind of adventure travel. We actually did a float plane ride in and you know we he was such a great guy he knew this one corner of this pool that we were actually trolling at the time and i had my rod out on one side and john had his rod out on the other side and frank had his rod all with like streamers on the back Hmm. down the middle and he would be trolling us along he'd be standing and we'd be you know sitting and he said this corner up here we're going to triple up guys and we're like no way and uh we got to the corner and Boom. I hooked up. And Frank said, wait, Frank or Francois, we call him Frank. He said, wait. And then John hooked up and he said, wait, wait. And then two seconds later, <laughs> Frank hooked up. So we had all three, uh, three wow. of us on. Um, it was like one of those trips, like you connect with your guide and you become friends beyond like the trip. Yeah. So many times that happens, you become friends with your guide beyond the trip. And it was yeah. just like, that. like he's, he's no longer at that camp. And you know, I, I'm not taking pictures for that magazine I was taking pictures for, but we became super close friends. Like that was like a bond. And so we have done, like, before we ended up buying a lodge together, we had done seven fly-in trips all around Quebec, uh, Quebec and Canada. Every year or two, we would go fly somewhere together. And we do these float plane trips, you know, there was, it was trophy Lake and Another place that your listeners might know is Mackenzie River Lodge, probably one of the best places in the world for for waiting for, you know, large brook trout. It's in Labrador, a uh, great waiting spot for a large brook trout, landlocked salmon. It's McKenzie River Lodge. We went there together and just kind of everywhere. We went to a bunch of spots. I brought my son. My son caught like a 20-pound um, northern pike, so it's a memory nice. to this day. And Oh, wow. You know, so and then— not long after that, he came to John and I and said, you know, we have an opportunity to buy a camp. And so we help him invest. It's it's not kind of, it's a lodge, but it's more of like a a club, fish club. We take about 40 rods a year. Oh, cool. Mostly people from like Quebec and northern New England. Yeah. So people
0: actually like pay a, like a fee to be part of the club and then they yeah, like it, a week, a month or something like that or
1: a, a yeah, year. Yeah, year, yeah, it's like 1800 bucks or 16 if it's for two, and and um, you know, they come up for a week. And We only do like 40 rods a year, but it's like five lakes, a couple connecting rivers, uh, up to 10 12 pound uh, landlocked salmon, and like you know, one to three pound brook trout, and it's fun stuff, yeah, that's
0: awesome. No, I, I love. Yeah, I love that. It reminds me, we're going actually next week heading up to a lodge up in Kamloops, BC. Similar thing that they have a group, it's a club, and then we're kind of helping get a few more people up there, you know, to kind of cover things. And yeah, it's, it's, well, it's a timeshare essentially, right? Kind of like if you had a right, a cabin too, same sort of thing. Kind
1: of, yeah. Kind of like a timeshare, yeah. It's, yeah, we only require like a year, you know, they don't have to commit. Oh, to
0: oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to be it. You have to be it for life sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like buying a week, but we just call yeah. it. Up. The only difference between us and an outfitter is we don't guide. Oh, you don't guide? Yeah, so, yeah, so we kind of show people around. They give them a canoe and a in a moat, you know, a boat, and they That's can right. kind of bounce from lake to lake. And there's like a map. It's pretty. It's kind of like Disney World of the backcountry. You know, it's the only sat phone. There's there's no cell service. Yeah, or no, uh, perfect. TV. Uh, we call in our float planes by satellite uh, phone, but. But it's yeah. just a way, you know, place to get away and, and relax for a week. But I mean, the Kamloops, man, that sounds incredible. It's—I I used to watch those shows on those big rainbows on yeah. Saturdays, and I've always wanted to get up there. But that sounds like an amazing time. Yeah, yeah, it should
0: be a good trip. I'm uh, just kind of getting getting ready for it now. I still have to still have to buy my fishing license and stuff. But um, okay. So, uh, but you know, it's all good, man. I think that this is cool to hear. I mean, you know, I think it's the perfect, I love doing these conversations because your, you know, your journey is different than my journey and everybody else's through this and, and you got this podcast. So let's go back into the podcast a little bit. I want to hear a little bit of the, the details there. So sure. when you do these, I think you do it. Do you kind of do... Um, What do you do, like a couple episodes a month, something like that, or depending?
1: Yeah, basically I record most of my whole season unless it's like a lodge or like a one-off trip that I'm going to or if I'm like a a destination location that I want to do a podcast with somebody. I'll record most of my episodes during the show season and then kind of put them out as I get home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so – You batch them. That's a great idea. Yeah, we batch them. Yeah, it's really, for us, the best way to do it because I'm doing, like, over one weekend, I might do, like, six episodes or more. You know, at a fly fishing show, I might record, like, six or seven episodes.
0: Nice. So you're actually recording them. You have, like, just a room at the show and everything's set up. People come in there. How do you do that?
1: I actually do it right there in, in the booth. So, like, I'll get a booth and, you know, Ben, the director of the fly fishing show, will try to get me a spot that's kind of away from, like, some of the speakers or some, oh, of, right. some of the, you know, the casting pond that'll have like a demonstration or whatnot. And then uh, I'll just record it right from the show floor. You know, we'll put headsets on. Uh, we actually can't, we set up microphones and, and speakers. We have a full sound system right at the, at the booth so that people can actually kind of hover around the, the booth and listen to the mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they see like a Phil Roley or a Devin Olsen or a Tim Camisa at you know, in the booth doing an episode, people walking by will stop and listen. So we kind of created it as like in a little event at the show. Uh huh. And then I just hit record and we have a conversation. And I, I record them and then I come back and edit them. That's it. Yeah.
0: And I, I always forget that, that you do all of your episodes there, which is cool because you've got basically the, you know, some of the best celebrities, right. In the game, they're, they're all there. And so, yeah. You, and are you getting years? So like for next year, would you would you have like a more um, similar guests, or how do you do that? How do you because all right, Don't they, doesn't he have the same sort of people each year?
1: You know, he, he does. So, like, if it's like a Landon Mayor or Phil Roley, you certainly don't mind uh, doubling, up, uh, you know, doubling up. You know, doubling up. You know, because you can talk <laughs> about different things. You know, what yeah. might be you know, might be techniques one one time. Might be where to. Might be story. Might be we might talk about his newest book. Uh, but we get authors, you know. The authors will a lot of times rotate. We'll get fly tires. Every show has different fly tires. But you know, I'll meet people too. They'll come to the show specifically to be on the podcast. Uh, so if they're local to the area, if they're somebody I want to have a conversation with, they'll show up to the show just to be on. Oh, cool! The podcast. So that's right. Um, you know, we do vary it, and it seems like there's always new people in in the marketplace as well. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we haven't run into that too, too bad yet. I'm sure. Yeah. Eventually. And, you know, you're teaching me about the Skype thing here too. So we're learning from each other. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I, probably will do more. You know, I was always hesitant, uh, based upon the quality, but you know, listening to yours, uh, there's certainly no lack of quality. You know, I've tried at the beginning, I tried some online recording and I was just finding like that whole voipy sound not yeah. really advantageous to a listener. So yeah, I hear you. I love the live. I love the, I love the dynamic of looking in somebody's eye um, and kind of playing off each other's conversation. Uh, But certainly you've proven this model to work. So I'm not opposed to in the future, you know, looking at doing some stuff like this.
0: Yeah, no, that's great to hear. I think that You know, I think
1: like you're doing it, the best
0: audio is to have in person for sure. And you get that look. And Yeah. Ours is just a little different. I I found since I'm an audio guy, I've always found that I just, just the way I've done it. So I actually, whenever I do in person, I have had a a few that I've done on zoom and I just find that I don't, it just doesn't, um, you know, it's okay, but I'm just not quite as comfortable. So I love just the audio only. And I've just, yeah, I've kind of kept doing it that way. And but no, it's it's good, man. Uh, and Phil Roy, obviously, you mentioned your people. I mean, we've had Phil on. I think now he might have been. Yeah, I think he's been on our show like four times. Yeah, and, and he's, he's a ham. Just, yeah, he's he's the man. And I and no, we're he's a
1: but he's also a ham. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is.
0: Yeah. yeah, And I, you know, Phil's awesome. But uh, so we're going up to this thing up in BC with him. And, yeah, uh, that. and, that's awesome. and that's the cool thing. So give me this. So on Phil Roy, you've had him on your show. Um, what do you remember? Give me something about his, uh, I'm not sure if you guys had one or two podcasts, yeah, but do you remember had, anything that sticks out?
1: Well, I, I remember totally fanboying. Uh, he was like one of my early guests. It was actually at the fly tying symposium several years back uh-huh. and he's sitting down in my seat and all I could hear was the music from the new fly fisher in my head, you know, because I was totally fanboying. I mean, in addition to you know the walker skate chronicles and the spanish fly i would say the new fly fisher would be the third uh-huh. uh, most uh influential you know tv show or media that got me into fly fishing or learned about fly fishing after i was in fly fishing and so i know he's one of the you know one of the major guests and he does a lot of the western stuff out there with them so yeah when he was sitting in my booth, I had to like, I was like, I, I can't believe Phil Roley is right there. So it was, so I think that was probably, you know, you eventually get over that, you know, and they're, you know, we're all just kind of cool guys hanging out and fly fishing. But I think early on when I was podcasting, I think having Phil, um, on my episode was super cool. Um, you know, just the still water stuff is balanced fly. And, you know, uh, when I was with the trout unlimited when I first learned how to fly fish, I mean, that's what we did. It was at a pond and I learned how to fly fish on a pond. And we used to go fly fishing for like, you know, rising trout to midges in ponds. And so it's like a huge, I think it's like one of the biggest mysteries in fly fishing is how to be an expert at fly fishing in Stillwater. It's like a mystery to me. There you go. This is so good. I think I love
0: that you said that because I'm going to go it up next week and it's a still, it's literally a Stillwater class, right? Yeah. It's, it's like he's teaching and, and that's why these courses are so good or, or like going to your podcast, to listen to Phil or whoever, because, you know, they're the best. And if you're going to up your game, they're probably going to save you. You know, if you can't do the guide, right, the next best thing is probably to listen to somebody like Phil yeah. or learn from them. And, uh, and so you're doing it. Well, tell me about your podcast. So let, let's dig in a little bit deeper on this. So you have, you know, you do these episodes from the show season and, um, you know, I mean, what is it, are you doing these for like, how, how long is typically an episode and, and how are you, you know, I mean, when you get into it, it just seems like a challenge sometimes is asking questions, right? Yeah. Like how do you get the good questions? How, how do you work that? How do you know what to ask?
1: Well, I'll go um I'll go over to Joan who runs the Angling Bookstore at Oh yeah uh, at Ben's show. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like Joan Flagger. Okay, now this is Joan, this is Joan Flagler, Tim Flagler's wife. Oh, I <laughs> didn't know that was Joan. So Joan runs that that's Joan in there. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Tim Flagler's wife. And uh, uh you know, I you know, I might have um, you know, Landon Mayer before I knew Landon Mayer, or you know, I might have, you know, an author on. I'm like, Joan he's going to be on my podcast tomorrow. Can I borrow a book? (laughs) Because, you know, I can't buy a $50 book every time I have somebody on my podcast. So I'm like, can I borrow this book for 10 minutes or whatever? Or, you know, and I'll just do my research. You know, I think, you know, the guys will be going out at night, you know, and I have four podcasts lined up and, you know, maybe two people I've never met before. And I'll just have to stay home or I'll come home early. I'll go grab a quick dinner and come home. They're all going out late. Yeah. I will literally go home and scour the Internet or, or, you know, when I had, you know, Joe Humphreys on, I had to go watch, you know, live the stream. I hadn't seen it yet. So I actually had to go home and watch the movie. Um, so I think it's just a matter of doing your research and especially when I'm lining up four or five or six in a day, you know, I'll be at my booth sometimes with my reading material or. I'll be, you know, on on the internet, you know, and I'll take notes and I'll write my notes on my phone or I'll write them on a piece of paper, and um, you know, obviously, I, to do a good podcast, I think preparation is is key, yeah. and especially if I'm interviewing some of these um, celebrities that I haven't met before. Like now, I could sit down and interview Landon. I've interviewed him twice. We've had dinner. We, you know, we've spent a lot of time together. It would be very easy for me to sit down and kind of dive into a podcast with him, but. When you're interviewing somebody like uh, Charlie Craven, who you've never met before, you've heard he's this phenomenal fly tire, um, you know. And I don't know a a bunch of his patterns per se. I literally rely on you know materials like books and the internet to you know prep all my questions.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by Fishhound Expeditions, taking you to remote Alaskan wilderness trips. These trips that Fish Town has going are not your local, typical uh, stay-at-a-lodge sort of resort trips. This is your out in the wilderness, floating down a river in a raft, um, sleeping on the beaches, out with the animals, the fish, mousing for trout. It's got it all. We're going to be putting together a trip uh, in a couple months here. Excited to get in on that one, and we're going to be doing some good stuff building up to that one mousing for trout salmon if you want your alaskan experience uh, adam and the crew has it going at FishHound. you can check in with them right now to get started and find out all the good stuff they have going you can head over to wetflyswing.com fishhound right now to check it out and uh, and find out how to get started on these great alaskan amazing remote wilderness trips Again, that's Fishound, Fishhound. F-I-S-H-H-O-U-N-D. dot slash fishhound to find out more information. You support this podcast by clicking over through that link to Fishhound. Uh what are your when you look into your past, and I'm not sure if you know all this, you know, data or just from what you think. What are do you have a few top podcasts? Do you have some that maybe got resonated more or got more downloads? Do, do you have any idea there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Jason Randall's has done super good you know uh i I think it's more just the most recent ones you know if you look at the numbers i mean the catalog has grown you know so it's hard to to compare like one now from one like say three years ago right uh just because you know there's so much more exposure to you know fly fishing journeys and there's so much more exposure to what i'm doing on social media or or just the growth of you know every year we grow so Yep. I just think uh they layer on each on each other more than anything else yeah definitely so yeah I'm just looking back at some of your recent ones
0: and and it looks like some of these were not I wonder like for example the Steve uh, day was he was he a show was that a show interview
1: you know I actually did um, a podcast with him live at his uh lodge he, he had you know an outfit he has a pack station out west oh yeah unfortunately he's had some you know uh some difficult situations as of recently with the pack station. but yeah. uh it's an incredible uh whole situation there we i went out me and my son went um on a 25 mile pack trip into the Sequoia national forest to hunt my first golden trout oh wow i had never caught a golden trout i actually tried to Oh, uh, gosh, I don't want to say how many years ago, but many years ago, me and my buddy tried to go up into the uh, Golden, uh, tr- not the Golden Trout Wilderness, but up into the eastern Sierras on the, oh, the eastern side. Eastern side. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we were told that we had to bring a bear can. So it's like one of those cans that you pack in to pack your food. Oh, yeah. And my buddy, he's like a rebel. He's like, I'm not bringing it. that thing's too heavy. But to get it, you know, to get our license, we had to say we were going to bring one. So we're hiking up. We had done probably half the hike straight up the mountain. We're almost there. Uh, We saw a ranger coming the other way. We kind of hit up on a hill at the same time, making ourselves completely visible to the ranger. And he found us and he said, hey, guys, can I see your permit? Where are you heading? So we told him where we were going. And he said, can I see your bear can? And we said, well, we don't have one. I'm sorry, sir. You have to go back down the mountain. Oh. So he turned us completely around and we went back down the mountain. We ended up going up into a different trip up into the, I think you call it the baboon lakes, like five lakes, incredible fishing, but they were mostly brook trout and rainbows and maybe some Browns, but no goldens. But it was just one of those amazing trips in the backcountry that me and my buddy did, but we didn't get any golden. So I've always wanted to ever since then. So I actually met Steve day of the golden trout, uh, wilderness or golden trout pack trains, um, at the Pleasanton fly fishing show a few years back. And we said, Hey, let's do a trip. And so we, me and Tyler, my son drove across country and we went to his pack station. There was like 20 something horses and mules. And we packed into the Segoia national forest into the golden trout wilderness, which took us most of one day to get in and then uh, when we were there, we had to do another three hours, basically straight up. It's kind of like you're in Yosemite National Park, very similar yep. uh, type landscape. Big trees, trees and rocks, you know, giant trees, right? Giant
0: sequoias are monsters. Those are like you could drive a car through them.
1: Yeah, the, those that was like the trees, but the rocks was like that that big, those big granite rocks, like El Capitan. You yep. could see that like almost everywhere. We had to go like straight up the thing. And we went into, there's two little rivers, uh, Volcano Creek and Golden Trout Creek. Those are the only two purebred golden trouts in the world. That's where they stocked the rest of the golden trouts from. I think there was like a story of like eight fish. They moved in a bucket over to the eastern side. They put in the lakes and that became the rest of the golden trout population on the eastern side. And those are the same strain that was put out into like Montana and stuff, but but like we fished in Volcano Creek for those six inch beautiful pure strain golden trout. Yeah,
0: you did, you did, and I see that you got some cool photos. I'll put a obviously we'll have a link to your website uh, that has all that. And I love you mentioned the bear can. We actually have one of our sponsors is the Bear Vault, which is okay. That. Yeah, which is exactly that. I'll, I'll love to tell uh, Grant about that because yeah. Yeah, there's these places where obviously you have to have a bear can and uh, you know or the bear, and I've heard even the northeast, especially up there, there's some pretty uh, really aggressive bears, right? They, 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 so you got to be careful. Have you have you had any bear encounters over the years?
1: Um, you know, is that that trip that me and my buddy did uh, that was in the in, in California on that trip alone? He told me at the bottom, um, uh, you know, if we see a bear, which we probably will, whatever you want to do, don't run you know, whatever you do. Yeah. And so just before we saw that ranger, we actually saw a huge brown bear. And as soon as I saw that brown bear, what's the first thing you think I did? I ran. I ran. (laughs) (laughs) ran? Like you idiot. I told you not to run. So, uh, you know, the, the black bears up in the Northeast, you know, they're just kind of mole across guys like, like dogs. Yeah, they'll just mull across the road. I mean, you certainly don't want to spook uh, a cub, uh, you know, spook one that has cubs mm. nearby for sure. But Yeah, um, you're not worried about them. They're not going to bother you. They're going to kind of head in a different direction. They say up in the northeast, uh, the guides, you know, say they would much rather see like an angry bear than an angry moose. You know, Oh, yeah. Them, the they moose move. are much more, you Looser know. Moose are
0: crazy. They're lo- loose like a loose cane. You never know what they'll do. Yeah, so. That's good. That's good. Well, yeah. I'm looking. Let's go through a couple more because I think this is kind of fun. Just, I guess, this gives us a recent view of your episodes. And, okay. uh And so, uh, Wilderado, and we always love the music. I love getting a little music. Maybe we'll yeah. get one of your favorite bands at the end. But tell me, how does Wilderado, that doesn't look like your normal uh, show guest either?
1: No. And actually, I talked to, um, you know, my new editorial director for our our website, the new online magazine. I talked to Kayla um, and I said, you think it would be all right if our listeners, for our listeners, to hear like more of a rock or a different type of thing for the for the podcast she's like yeah I think it'd be cool switch it up so we actually got a email from the, the PR director for this band Wilder router she said the lead singer is a big fly fisherman uh-huh. um, but he would love to be on your podcast and I said well I really only do in person so do you think they could get to a show and they're like well they're not really try you know coming around these shows at these times. I'm like, well, you know, if they ever get out to Boston, I'd be happy to meet up with them. Well, she stayed with it. And sure enough, like a few months later, she said that they're touring and Will Dorado will be coming to to the Boston area. And they invited me out to to do a podcast live before their show and their, you know, in their pre-show. Love it. So. I jumped on Spotify. I started listening to them. They're a super cool band, very hip, reminded me of a, one of my favorite bands. I, I, I listen to the, to this day. They had Actually, I asked them that question in the podcast, and they said, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of theirs now, but I used to listen to them all the time as kids. So it was just amazing to hear that that influence actually came through, that they're not, a you know, listen to this band a lot right now, but somewhere in their past, that was a big...
0: All right. Who was band? that band? Who was your favorite band?
1: Um... You know, that right there is
0: Switchfoot. That band is called Switchfoot. Oh, really? So Switchfoot, you used to love, you love Switchfoot, and then they've also been influenced by Switchfoot.
1: They said, yeah, you know, when we grew up, they grew up in uh, Texas, in, in Oklahoma, and that was like a band that was like very local to them or that they were, you know, they would listen to, but, um, but yeah, so it was super cool. And so we went out and we did that and they, they invited me to stay for the show. And they're just a super cool band. I mean, I love their music. And it was like I told them in the podcast, I said, this is the type of music that, you know, you can listen to like once or twice through and you can already be, you know, jiving with it. You know, it doesn't take you 10 times through like some music does. Even some of my favorite artists, when they put out an album, I have to listen to it a few times before I start, you know, jiving along with the music. But this music kind of just jive, you know, jumps on you right quick. And yeah. Uh, Will Dorado is a cool man. I would recommend anybody check them out. They're, and I enjoyed their show. Their live music is awesome. They were actually on one of the, the, the Tonight Show, or I think they were on. Oh, wow. Yeah, just recently. So Very cool. Jimmy Kimmel, they were actually invited to be on Jimmy Kimmel not, not long
0: ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that makes sense because Jimmy Kimmel is a huge fly fisherman, too. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's Kimmel. Yeah, Kimmel's uh, connected to, um, like, he does some stuff up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's rolling, but th- this is good. So you got so you got there the different. Then uh, keeping going on this, you got your you got your Pat Dorsey. You got uh, Cicada's yeah. uh, episode. You got Tim O'Neill, who's the Norvice, and you got and then down the line, and you got a bunch. So you are having a pretty, you know, a pretty diverse. This isn't just like you know, like you're saying, just to show you're, you're mixing up a little bit, which is cool. And you mentioned the website. Let's, let's go on that track just a little bit here. Talk okay. about the website there because before it was focused more just podcasts and now talk about having an editorial director. That That's a big thing. What do, if somebody's going to come to your website right now, what can they expect?
1: Yeah. So, you know, quite some time now, I think, you know, I thought there might be an opportunity for us to be, have more diversity and have more, uh, content and be more of an online magazine. You know, I've always had that dream, uh, but it was like I, you know, I tell Kayla it was like one bridge too far. You know, between the podcast and I, I know I do a vlog on a lot of the trips that I go on. I'll do a vlog on YouTube and we'll kind of highlight the whole trip uh, via video. And you know, with all that, and you know, even my company, you know, my my uh, other media company that I run like this whole idea of an online magazine was like one bridge too far. I see it. I have the connections. I know what I want to do, but it was just to do it right. I didn't have the bandwidth. And so I reached out to uh, somebody, you, you know, your listeners may be familiar with. Her name is um, Megan Barker. She is the Pebble Mine director. She kind of runs Uh, trout unlimited alaska to oversee like the pebble mine program to get information out on how to stop the pebble mine from you know building a mine up there and up there in alaska and i thought she might be great to help me on the side and she said she's really um you know tapped for her time Uh, so she really couldn't at this time but she gave me an incredible recommendation her name is kayla roy and, uh, she had just, uh, moved on based upon, you know, getting married and moving out of the state of Alaska. Uh, so she was no longer working with trout unlimited. So she was kind of maybe open to an idea like this. And she's an, an accomplished fly fisherman, fly fisher person. And, uh, she used to work at a fly shop for many years, has an incredible personality, just perfect for this type of position I was looking at. And so, you know, I hired her and, you know, she and I have put together this online magazine. So, you know, it's like, you know, uh, fly tying, it's uh, fly fishing, it's profiles, it's destinations, movies, conservation, news, vlogs, you know, we're, the goal here is to be like a resource for everything that's going on in the industry.
0: So that's it. So you're going, so you're taking above, not just your own podcast, bringing in other podcasts, other resources. So kind of like the... I always think of the model because there's some people that have been doing this a while out there, the, you know, like the mid-current, right? Mid-current or any of those online, is it kind of similar to that sort of style?
1: You know, and a lot of people ask me this, and I said, I don't really want to name like right. two <laughs> yeah, or three not, other people. Like, I mean, good. you know the names, and the names are out there, but as soon as I say a name, it's going to be like, that's what you're going to think. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a
0: bad example.
1: Well, tell me- No, it's be- actually a great example. Oh, it is. I just, uh, you know, I'm hesitant to put words out there because we do want to create our own space and have our own like yeah. brand and have our own uh, shape on things, but- there are companies out there that are doing this online magazine and doing it well. But as soon as I say it, you know, it kind of sticks that word in your mind. So yeah, I try to like, you know, everybody knows that we're not the first people to the space. And right. uh, But I, I, yeah, but we do want
0: to shape on things. And that is a challenge, Rob, you know, I mean, that's just in business in general, right? Getting your thing out there. How do you make sure you're different than everybody else? And that's, that's a challenge. Like, you know, and, I think for all of us, I mean, how, when you look at what you're doing there, do you think about that and say, well, okay, how are we different than say mid current or any of the other ones out there? Do you, do you feel it's just your unique personality or is there other ways that you differentiate yourself?
1: I mean, I certainly think graphically, um, you have to, you know, I think Kayler and I and my, my media team, I mean, I have a media company that does, you know, local marketing for companies all around the country. Uh, that's kind of the base of where I've been, you know, growing my industry, my career. So we have the same crew. I use my team, you know, they're the ones who implement our fly fishing journeys website. So between my team Kayla and I, you know, we spent a long time in coming up with the graphic outlay, like the way things look, the pictures, yeah. the the style. Right. So I think style differentiates. Yep um how things lay out you know i think that's one thing that i've heard quite a bit is like you know compared to our old site which i really wasn't that concerned how it looked it was mostly just a podcast site um so i didn't put that type of time or layout design into it so uh we were more concerned with making sure we were kind of out there on all the podcast channels with this it's very important that the the layout be pleasing to somebody who comes on the site. They want to stick it, stick to it. So I think that's the, the biggest thing is making sure our site is sticky. Um, so when people come to it, you know, they can jive with this article maybe they'll see another article they want to, you know, and they stay on the site. You know, you're obviously looking at, you know, bounce rates. You don't want people to bounce off the site. So it's not done. It's done. It's live. It's we're very happy with it, but it's, it's like a lifetime project here. So, yeah um we're going to obviously continue to grow it and put more now that it's up which took a Hercu- herculean effort um we're going to put a lot more time and effort into improving it and, and making it that you know one-stop fly fishing shop that we want it to be right
0: when somebody comes in that makes total sense to me when somebody comes to your website I guess, is there a difference between somebody that comes to your website versus somebody that finds your podcasts on Spotify? Do, is it the same ideal kind of um, listener or, um, you know, person you want?
1: Probably at the end result it's the same guy showing up to the, you know, the parking lot with their fly rod on their roof or in their, in their back trunk, you know, it's the same guy, but I think visually or audio, you know, from an audio standpoint, you're get you're collecting people, you know, people from different areas. So somebody might find us on social media if we'll put out a new article that we've done or put out a newsletter and they'll, you know, click to the site, you know, they're bouncing around the site. Uh, whereas on the audio, you know, you have that people who follow you and they get notified when there's a new episode. So at the end of the day, we want to, you know, we'll talk about one on, you know, we'll talk about the podcast on the website. We'll talk about the website on the podcast. So at the end of the day we hope that people will visit both places and in allowing you know allow people to go to youtube if they like vlogs or if you know go to itunes or spotify if they like to listen or if they want to read uh we want to give them the website
0: yeah yeah i know it, it's good it's i love hearing this because i know how challenging it is you know what i mean i know yep. i know how challenging a podcast is i know how challenging doing a website is and it's all it's all time. And the cool thing is, it sounds like you actually have a team, which which separates. You know, if you were to do this on your own, you'd probably be overwhelmed. But having yeah. a team allows you to be like, okay, let's get the right person in place to just take care of this piece, and I don't have to worry about it. And now you're moving on to the things you can focus on, right?
1: Yeah, I have an incredible team. I'm very fortunate to to find Kayla. She's amazing. Uh, she's traveling with us to Iceland uh, and with Tim uh, this July. Uh, she's going down to do a story in the Bahamas for, for us, her and her husband are going down to do a story for us in the Bahamas in November. And she's actually going to be, her and her husband are going to be part of our uh, team that goes out to Northern Iceland next June. So, you know, we've got all systems go here. We're fully, you know, engaged to forward and, and, um, kind of, help. we like to fish ahead. You know, that's one of the things I think, you know, so what differentiates us, we like to fish ahead of people, um, so like, I just got back from a trip to Northern Iceland with Maddie of Iceland fishing Guide. So we kind of fished ahead. We did the research, we took the pictures. And so we'll make certain recommendations. We have this travel page on our site where we have like our Iceland trip with Tim Kamisa, And then I just loaded up a Greenland trip that I'm doing with Ben Furimsky in August. And then I just loaded up next uh, June's uh, Iceland trip with Maddie up to Northern Iceland for the sea runs. So We like to fish ahead. We don't want to ever make a recommendation or or say, hey, where should I go? And like not have been there. Right. So that's kind of like fly fishing journeys. It's all a journey. And we want to make a solid recommendation to some places we've been. There it is. That's it. So people that are coming in and they're
0: going to be, they find your podcast, they can expect, say, in the next year they're going to have more of what they've seen. So the great people from the show, but you're also going to have some of these trips Are we going to, can we expect that to find some try, like did like destinations around the world?
1: Yeah. So very limited. we you know, we've got three up there now, but you know, who knows how many there will be, say maybe a dozen, you know, we, we just went and fished with, you know, the tarpon key lodge down in Belize. And those are incredible guys. And, you know, Ben and I went down there and caught a bunch of permit and, and, you know, we'll probably load up a trip like that, you know, just because people are asking us, you know, where should I go? Where, what should I do? Like, and there are some, you know, some places you can go and it's amazing and some places you can go, it's, it's maybe not as amazing. So we want to make sure we'll be able to point people in the right direction. Yeah, perfect.
0: Good. Well, we're going to we're going to wrap this up pretty quick here. I just had a couple of um, random ones that I want to take it out of here. Sure. And yeah, and you mentioned – so we, we talked – I'm glad we talked about the online magazine because that was something um, – one thing is just on the tech. I'm curious. Some people might – like I said, I'm always interested in helping people maybe start a podcast. So let's talk about your in-person. So people come in. What is your tech? How are you actually – what microphones are you using and how are you actually sure. recording it?
1: Sure, yeah. So we go through the system. So I have like a – I think it's like an eight-channel board. So. Oh, okay you know, that can push out to the speakers and so people can hear it live. And at the same time I feed it back into, uh, uh, what is that? The H five or H four. Oh yeah. The zoom, the zoom H four. And I record out of that. And then I have like audio technica headset mics. I think the headset mics, I've tried the handhelds Yep. and you know, you get a lot of pinging and popping Yeah. because people are moving around and banging them. Um, it's hard yeah. to keep, you know, have them hold it straight. So, uh, I just do the headset. I basically, you know, put that boom right at the right spot for a guest, and it's the Audio Technicas. Yeah, Audio Technica. I've got cool. Four of them. Nice. So I can go up to four
0: people at a, at a time. Yep, and it zooms, and you and you record your audio. Does so your audio comes into the Zoom, or, or do all four go into that Zoom recorder?
1: You know, I don't break them up, so yeah. I mean that's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, but it's just one less step in the post. Yeah, you got one. So it's all on one audio file. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. There you go. So I guess that's the thing. As long as you get things right, you're all at the same level. You don't have to worry about adjusting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the benefit of what's been happening the past couple years is like, you know, people are doing like high tech TV, you know, I'll see anchors on TV, you know, on on like their home, you know, Logitech camera, you know, so it's like... (laughs) I think the the need for this total HD or like the highest level of quality production is kind of uh, a little bit of the thing of the past. I still like a high quality production, but but I think people are you know I think content is king. If you listen to Gary Vee, don't be perfect, just get it out there. Yeah, there
0: it is. Don't be perfect. I'm. I think that's probably about where we're gonna leave because. You know, it is, that's the struggle is that people sometimes don't start something because like, oh man, it's too much work. Even fly fishing is a great example. I just heard from a listener the other day. It was like, man, you know, he was thinking about really not getting going, but he was like, you know what? Because he seemed so hard, but eventually he just bought it, went out and bought a Renington outfit. And now he's got like a new, he's all in, he's all into fly fishing. Yeah. So, if I think fly fishing and audio and the the production is actually similar. Where there is a little bit of a learning curve, but you can just do it. Just grab a, if you had to grab a phone, record yourself, and just to get started. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, Rob, um, well, you mentioned a couple of things. I'm going to just go one random here. You mentioned a, a, we talked about Kavisa. I'm not going to dig into Kavisa anymore because he's, uh, you know, everybody loves Kavisa. His style is good. But um, I'm curious about uh, the the, uh, the camper. So do you still have the pop-up camper? And is that something you guys are are still driving around the country?
1: We sold the pop-up quite a bit ago. It was like my dad's. He handed it down to me. So it was kind of on its last leg. So that was a bit ago. But we do have... um, a tow trailer. So it's a, uh, one of the bunk houses cause we have three kids. So we've got a four person bunk house in the back and a push out queen from my wife and I on the front. Um, and we just enjoy that. We, you know, we thinking about maybe getting a drivable, but yeah, I went and sat in one and You know, the kids have to buckle into the couches and you know, you have to sit at the table. So I think it might be a little bit more, you know, in your mind how amazing it is rather than being amazing. So Yeah.
0: It's not like you're gonna be going down the road like, hey, we're all we're all just running around the camper. Yeah.
1: (laughs) well, I heard you can't even go and like lay in the bed. It's illegal. Oh wow. Yeah. Because they have to be buckled in. So, you know, if they ever you know have to stop short or move quickly, you know, they need to be in their seats. So uh, I think we have a Suburban, which is a pretty spacious back. So I think I like the tow trailer a little bit better right now. So if we get a new, we might get a new tow trailer. But plus, I think, uh, you know, I do like just putting it down, you know, and then just driving around in the Suburban after we get to where we're going rather than, you know, if you get the camper you know, you either have to tow like a Jeep or, or, you know, not really all the way, get fully set up, you know, you can get set up, but then you have to drive around your camper to go see stuff. So, so that's always the biggest challenge. I think if you're going to have a drivable RV or a tow trailer. Yeah. That's, I I hear you, man,
0: because yeah, we have the same thing. We got a camper and it's like, oh man, would it be nice to have one of those drive behinds? And so what is your camper? So your camper, how many feet is it? It's 28.
1: With the oh, wow. Push-up.
0: Yeah, you got a monster. So you got this big guy, and it's got, like you said, the camper up front is one of those ones where – is it a fifth wheel?
1: No, it's just a tow trailer, so we hook it up to the Suburban.
0: Oh, right, Suburban, yeah.
1: Yep, and then um, we, you, it has a bunkhouse, which is tough to find, but something that was really high on our list – you know, because otherwise, you know, you might have like one or two kids and a decent and then the other one is like on the, you know, on the pullout table or, or the pullout couch. Oh, oh, so you're saying you actually have bunk beds for each. There's like three, there's yeah. three bunk beds. There's two bunk beds. Yeah. So there's four full beds.
0: Oh, wow. Four full beds, right? Well, they're right. full, they're twin, you know, they're full, four twin beds. Twins. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you've got, I got you, you got two beds. So there's four on each side. You got four fully, uh, well, two bunk beds, but four beds.
1: Yeah. So the whole front of the camper is
0: a bunkhouse. Oh, that's amazing! Wow. Yeah. The kids love it. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Okay. So now, I've got, what's what's the brand? What's the name? Because there's a, there's only a few like really yeah. big brands.
1: So it's a KZ Frontier. It's an older one, but it's KZ.
0: Yeah, KZ. I heard about them. That's right. I'm always trying to figure. I was talking to some other camper folks. We were thinking about maybe doing something else as well, but uh, you never know.
1: Yeah. Any any family with kids. I really recommend pushing through and finding a bunkhouse rather than dealing with, like, a queen and, like, maybe two yeah. bunks and, like, a third. And if they have more than two kids. Now, if you have two kids and you had one bunk in, in the cabin, that's fine. Yeah. But more than we, two kids, you need a bunkhouse. We have one of those little – we have, like, it's a, a Jayco,
0: it's, but it's, like, the Baja. So it's, like, oh. shacked up a little bit. And actually, to be honest with it, I remember we were getting, we were like, well, do we need this Baja – you know, it's like higher and but I funny thing was we we sometimes we're more off the grid and uh right. yeah, I I took it down this road and it was kinda crazy. It's a twenty footer, so it's not super huge, but it's still big yeah. enough. And man, I'll tell you what, I was glad I had that clearance because I took a big dip and luckily oh, we goodness. didn't yeah, we didn't trash it, but um, so I guess that's a, there's a reminder insurance, right? So insurance, yeah. what, who's your insurance provider? Because if I would have trashed that that day without insurance, other camper would have been screwed.
1: For sure, yeah. I I kind of beat mine up when I took it up to the West Branch one day. It was a guys' weekend. I took it up there, and that last road and the Golden Road heading up to the West Branch is all you know potholes and dirt. And I went a little too quick, and I you know I I kind of put a, a few little and dens inside, but it's yeah. fine. But you do you have to go super slow if you're on a dirt road. Nice. Now, now I hear you. Yeah, that's that's it. All right. Well, give us a uh, Rob.
0: Just we're going to take it out of here. Just one last one here on the the top fly. We've got this little challenge we're doing, which is kind of asking everybody, okay, kind of what's what's your top fly, and then we're sending them out to uh, wetflyswing.com/slash top fly, and then it's a real easy way just to enter what, what you think based on the, our guests. So you're you're we're going to add your fly to this mix. And then okay. people were going to give out a bunch of fly boxes with flies loaded up. So, Sounds. So let, let's hear what your, so your top fly, I'm thinking northeast. So if you're going trout fishing, what is that fly that you, if you only had to pick one? One fly, you, okay, so it can be any style. Anything you want. Yep, it could be anything. Just, um, yeah, what is that fly? If you can only have one.
1: Uh, bead beadhead, pheasant tail, nymph
0: yep pheasant tail good good
1: sorry it's just so that's probably like no. a thousand
0: people no it's perfect no that's, that's what we want because we want to put like okay here's here's our list of our guests you know and, and they haven't all said pheasant tail obviously so but it will be interesting just to hear what the uh, you know the listeners think too what they what they would choose cool so there you go we got you yeah, in so we got the we got the pheasant tail we got the tungsten we're good to go um, yeah man anything else before we jump out of here you want to give a shout out to your podcast or anything else you guys have going
1: Yeah, man. I just want to give a shout out to the Wet Fly Swing podcast because (laughs) you guys are absolutely crushing it. I mean, you guys, the the frequency that you put out and the quality of your guests and the quality of your production, it's it's really well done, Dave. So I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Definitely. Thanks a lot, Robin. We'll keep in touch with you and hopefully see you at the next show. Sounds good. So there it is. WetFlySwing.com slash 341-341. We'll get you some links. Uh, some show notes and probably a couple of videos, maybe at least one video there. I don't think uh, uh, we uh, have uh, too much in the music end for this one, but, uh, but check it out anyways. A listener shout out before we get out of here, James Bowen. Uh, James reached out to uh, me recently on email and uh, gave a shout out that he loved the uh, recent Surf Perch episode we did with Waters West Fly Shop. That was a great one. If you haven't seen that or interested in Surf Perch, you can check out that episode. Uh, thanks, James, for supporting the podcast and for taking the time to send me a message and uh, definitely appreciate your support. If you would love to uh, also reach out and maybe get uh, an episode uh, of yours on the podcast, you can send me an email, Dave at com, or check with me anytime on social media. Before we get out of here, just want to give a shout out to the Top Fly Challenge we have going. You can get a free box of flies from Jackson Hole Fly Company by just quickly uh, heading over to that page wetflyswing.com slash top fly entering your number one favorite pattern you can enter either enter your uh, your fly that you have maybe you have your own top fly or you can select from some common patterns from guests that we've had on in recent episodes this is uh gonna be a good one we're gonna be announcing this and uh, the fun part of this is i'm gonna be tying the fly the winner of the top fly challenge and uh and we're gonna be sharing it uh, on another uh, channel so uh so this will be fun to see how bad i am at fly time okay i'm gonna let this one get out of here it definitely is late and i'm burning the midnight oil on this one so i appreciate you hanging in here to the very end and i uh, hope you have a good evening a good morning or a good afternoon wherever you are i hope to maybe see you on this trip on the water or maybe catch you online thanks for listening to the wet fly swing fly fishing show For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.